All right, good to see all of you tonight. Uh, Happy New Year. And, and uh, if you have your Bibles, find your place in Isaiah 42. Isaiah 42. And there are several things I want to do. Let me go ahead and do them at the beginning. It'll be easier that way. Um, so for me, um, my task is uh, as your pastor, if, if, if I only get one thing done in my time, it would be uh, helping all of our people uh, to be able to read their Bible and to pray. That would be my goal. That would be my objective. And so we'll work hard on that. And I, I want to give you a tool uh, that I think will be a blessing to you. And, and what I do, I need is I need a couple of volunteers. Sid, if you and Jeff could help me. And we'll just take the sides of the room. Gerald, and just give everyone a copy of this. Let me tell you what it is. All right. Just distribute those and bring me back the others. One for each family, each person. Each person. So this is my um, late Christmas gift to all of you. How's that? Um, Yes. And this is um, a portion of what another old preacher did for his church. When he was, his name was Matthew Henry. Matthew Henry's the old famous commentator. Um, his, his commentary is probably the most well known. A wonderful commentary with so many different rich insights and all the rest. But Matthew Henry um, labored hard to help his people to know how to pray. And that's what I want us to do. I'm, uh, we're trying to do that in many ways on, in worship, praying together, uh, having various Bible themes that we pray through. All of this comes from a book. I'll, I'll just hold this book up. This is mine. Don't laugh. If you see my... I, I, I'm old and I have to mark my pages. So these tabs are for me. Okay, The book doesn't come like this when you buy it. But this is mine. But it's called a method of prayer, and some of you note things. And you, uh, a method of prayer, freedom in the face of God. This is Matthew Henry, and all this is, all this is, are scriptures combined into various uh, truths about the Lord. And it is, um, you pray the scriptures. That's all this is. Is praying the word of God. So I would uh, recommend this to you and uh, a method for prayer. Matthew Henry, you can find it around. But what I've given you is a portion that's not in most of the modern copies. This is the most special thing I can give you and we'll do it at the very end today. Uh, Scott, can you turn this up just a little bit? I I feel like I need to, I don't want to push too hard. All right. Uh, This is called, My Affection to the Fullness of the Godhead in Jesus Christ, who is, and then it begins, and you can see the the sheet we've given you is uh, 55 pages long, and it is uh, one right after another, the names of the Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious names of the Lord Jesus Christ, with all of the scriptures that go with them. So you say, Pastor Mike, how do you pray? I pray speaking my affection to the Lord Jesus Christ 
with these pages every day. Every day. If I'm sick, if I'm happy, if I'm sad, as a part of my own prayer time, because I can't remember all of those things. I can't remember all that the Scripture says about the Lord Jesus, but there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with reading and speaking these words back to the Lord Jesus. You will find if you draw near to the Lord and you speak to Him, and you speak to Him out of your affection and your love for Him, if describing all these glorious things that are about Him, you will find, you will find a difference in how God draws near to you through the Holy Spirit. I'm testifying now. Amen. I'm saying this for you so that you might experience it in your life. So at the end, we'll give ourselves a little time to do it. So uh, Merry Christmas. I wanted you to have that. And um, if you have others in our church that you know who would be interested uh, that aren't with us, uh, we'll, <coughs> we'll make them available uh, out everywhere. All right, you found Isaiah 42, but I'd like for you to also now go to the New Testament and find Colossians chapter 2. <clears throat> what is a mystery? Some of you, perhaps, uh, Pat is big on, uh, you know, watching mysteries. What is a mystery? Well, a mystery is something that's uh, secret. It's secretive. It's mysterious, we say. It's mysterious. It's, uh, it's not normal. It's not natural. It's uh, somewhat secret. It is um, unexplainable. What is mystery? It is unexplainable. What is mystery? It's contradictory. So what we're doing in the book of Isaiah is we're looking at the most amazing mystery of all mysteries. The mystery of all mysteries is the glory, the majesty, the person of Jesus Christ. And so in Colossians chapter 2, Paul is talking to a group of Christians that he had never met. He said, For I want you to know, verse 1, how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those who are at Laodicea and for those who have not personally seen my face. He, he was burdened about that. He wanted to meet the people in a, a town called Colossae and he wanted to know them. But this is the beautiful part of it. This is what I wanted you to see. Um, two and three. He says, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm anxious for you, uh, these believers that he had not met. Notice that their hearts may be encouraged. That's what I hope happens when you are with God's people at First Baptist Church. I hope your hearts are encouraged. What a day when people have lost their heart and lost their ability to have any joy. Uh, my prayer is that we will, our hearts will be encouraged when we're together. The only way to do that is to worship. How can you not be encouraged when these, I call them young people, we're all standing up here singing. Can you not be encouraged by that? For heaven's sakes. I'm trying to sing, Bob, and I, it was pitiful, but I'm trying. I'm sorry, brother. 
that you had to listen to that. It was pitiful. But he prays, he, he's concerned. He wants that their hearts would be encouraged. I pray that'll be true for our church in everything we do. But notice, having been knit together. What a beautiful, Pat's, you know, does, um, uh, what's that thing she does? Huh? Crochets. And sometimes I'm talking to her and she won't say anything. I say, Pat, what, are you not listening to me? She goes, I'm counting. So whatever that means. Some of you know what that means. But knitting together. Noting, notice your hearts be encouraged and having been knit together in love. That's what it means to be together as God's people. And this is important. And attaining is not in the Greek text, but it is implied. It is growing or developing or experiencing all the wealth. All the wealth. You want to be rich? You want to be rich? All the wealth that comes from the full assurance. He uses a word pleroma in Greek. Full, the absolute fullness of assurance of understanding that results, you know, Paul wrote long sentences, resulting in a true knowledge, notice, of God's mystery. God has a mystery. God has secrets. Attaining or resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ Himself, in whom are hidden, hidden. The mysteries are hidden. If you want to know the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's hidden. Dr. So-and-so can't tell you. Only the Holy Spirit can reveal these glorious things. That's why when you talk about Jesus Christ with some people, they yawn. With other people, they're overwhelmed and fascinated, and they worship, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The more I get to know the Lord Jesus Christ, the greater I gain wisdom for my life, the greater I know Him and walk with Him and have an ambition to know Him. That was Paul's desire, that I may know Him. What is your desire? My desire personally is to know and to seek and to pursue <coughs> as aggressively, aggressively as I can for whatever days I have left, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm done with chasing other things. They don't matter. And they end up being a disappointment. But if you follow after Jesus hard, you will discover full assurance of understanding and you will experience the true knowledge of God's mystery. Amen. So now we come to this, back to Isaiah. <coughs> Excuse me, please forgive me. We come now to Isaiah. I've given you that on purpose because when you read Isaiah, it's a mystery. Isaiah is full of the Holy Spirit and what is he doing? I've, I've mentioned all of you who joined me and and we do this Wednesday night and you do this with me. We're about to start our discipleship classes and some will go to other things. But, you know, we'll be meeting back here. This is going to be our meeting place. I told Ryan, you see, I'm an Oklahoman. And Oklahoma was settled by people called uh, Sooners. And a Sooner was a guy, they lined up at the borders of Indian Territory on their wagons and they were supposed to wait for the gun to go off. The problem is the Sooners went in and took over the land before the gun went off. So welcome, I'm 
from Oklahoma. I'm a cheater. That's what we are. I told Ryan, I've taken over this space. We've captured it. Here we are. And uh, so we'll be back here. We're going to try to find... I've been hearing from some of our dear brethren that they don't like it, that they can't watch it live. So we're, we're going to try to figure that out. But here we are. Now we're in a mystery. Isaiah is preaching, but it's not really him preaching. Isaiah is the vessel and God is speaking. We already read it before, beginning in one. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He's speaking about Jesus. <clears throat> my chosen one whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. <clears throat> he will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry out or raise his voice or make his voice heard in the street. We, by the way, if you're here Sunday, we talked about this Sunday. It's in the fulfillment of what the Lord Jesus came to do in His ministry. He will, he will not dishearten or crush uh, any... He will, not, he will not be disheartened or crushed until He has established justice in the earth and the coastlands will wait expectantly. I, I skip verse 3. A bruised reed He will not break and a dimly burning wick He will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. Thus says God the Lord. If we were reading this in... The Hebrew language it is, thus says Elohim Yahweh. Thus says Elohim Yahweh, which is the eternal God. The eternal one says this. The one who is eternal. Thus says the eternal one Yahweh. And I'll say more about that in a moment. Who created the heavens and stretched them out. Who spread out the earth and its offspring. Who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. I have called you. All of a sudden, now wait a minute, things change here. Somehow now we see God speaking with someone. He's speaking. Now this is the mystery. This is the mystery. We have these, we have these glimpses through God's Word. Here is God speaking to God. Here is God speaking to Himself. Here is God speaking Father to Son. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. The Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit. Now thus says God, Yahweh. Thus says, I am Yahweh. I have called you in righteousness. I will hold you by the hand and watch over you. And I will appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon, and those who dwell in darkness from the prison. I am, next second time, I am the Lord. It's a play on the name Yahweh. Yahweh means I am that I am. Yahweh is I am. Remember this is what he said to Moses. Mo Moses, who are you and what's your name? I am. I am that I am. I am the God of the present tense. I'm the eternal God. There is no time. So it's a play on words. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. Now all of a sudden it changes. Behold, the former things have come to pass. Now I declare new things. Before they spring forth, I proclaim them to you. And if you read carefully your Bible... You'll notice that the uppercase letter for you is used 
in verse number 6. But in verse number 9, the lowercase u is used because he's speaking to Israel. The sinful children of Israel who are caught in a time warp in their sin and don't have any hope for a future. This is a glorious chapter. This is a wonderful chapter. And so today we get the opportunity to hear God speak to God. You see, Jesus Christ, the servant of Yahweh, the eternal God, is the light of the nations. These things are sobering. These are beyond comprehension. To speak of the Lord Jesus Christ is beyond comprehension. It is, as Paul called it, He is the mystery of God. He is the one in whom all the glorious things are known. You see, until I come close to the Lord Jesus, until I draw near to Him, until I honor Him and worship Him and glorify Him and speak to Him and pray to God the Father in His name and honor the Lord Jesus so that the Holy Spirit draws people. You see, when you talk about Jesus with people, the Holy Spirit draws them to Jesus. That's what the Lord said. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. Our job is to point people to Jesus, not to ourselves, not to our church, but to the Lord Jesus. So we have these. I'm going to just take each verse for a moment and talk to you about it. And then we're going to pray. We're going to practice praying together the way I would like for you to learn to pray. You won't be sorry if you be a good student. You won't be sorry. Number one, God, and please, my words are very careful here. God appoints His servant, the Lord Jesus Christ, by His authority. Behold my servant, I 40, I 42, 1 begins. Behold my servant. And did you notice, it, it talks about this matter of Him dealing with uh, the nations. He will bring forth justice to the nations, verse 1. And now we read, notice, and I will appoint you as, uh, verse 6, I will appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations. Thus says Yahweh, thus says Elohim Yahweh. Thus says Elohim the I Am. You know, the Lord is I Am to every generation. The Lord is I Am to all who've gone before us. The eternal God has all authority over all created things. Notice what He reminds us here. Who created the heavens and stretched them out. Many of you studied, just like I have in school, the amazing, unbelievable, almost, uh, almost beyond comprehension, the glory of the created universe and the heavens. It's an amazing thing. Astronomy is an amazing thing. Real astronomy that doesn't come with baggage and evolutionary messes. And, but astronomy is quite an amazing thing. To gaze and think of the glory of God seen and spoken by the stars. We've been reminded recently in our times together on Genesis, we've been looking at that, but we were looking at that together. Remember your Creator. He created the heavens and stretched them out. Who spread out the earth and its offspring. The eternal God Yahweh made the heavens and the earth. The eternal God Yahweh made all the offspring of the earth. Such strange creatures. 
as my uh, four-year-old that was in here said the other day, Q, why, we were looking, zebras, why do those horses have spots? I have no idea. Strange glory of the creatures. Notice, this is what eternal God Yahweh does. He gives life. You know, all of us in here today, He gave you the ability to wake up this morning and breathe. You know, that sounds so simple, doesn't it? But the only reason why we breathe today is because God has permitted it. You do know that, don't you? That's not just because, you know, some thing we've done, we have been given the gift of life. We've been given the gift of life. He breathed into Adam the breath of life. And then the text says in verse 5, and the spirit to those who walk in it. So what do we see about the Lord Jesus Christ about this? Well, He appoints His servant by His authority. Look at John 8. I've just given it to you here. This is the Lord Jesus speaking. When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. And I do not... Please look at the language of the Lord. As He was speaking with those Jewish leaders who hated Him and despised Him. When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, that is Messiah, Son of God. And I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak the things as the Father has taught me. And he who sent me, please look at the language. He who sent me, notice what does he say? We're going to read it about now, just a moment. He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Number two, God protects his appointed servant. The Lord Jesus was sent by God on mission. He was sent. The Lord Jesus was clear. He always talked about being sent from the Father being sent from the Father. He always talked about the fact that if you, you, if you say you honor God, but you don't honor the Son whom He sent, you don't honor God. This is so important for us to remember. Uh, what is it that the Lord Jesus Christ said in His glorious prayer in John 17? I just read it to you for the sake of time, but it's quite important and is something that all of you should think about. The Lord says, here's what eternal life is. Are you ready? This is John 17, 3. This is eternal life. This is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Now we read these wonderful words, amazing words. God says, I am Yahweh. I have called you in righteousness. I will also hold you by the hand and watch over you, and I will appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations. Uh, John said it, I gave it to you in your outline. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. The Lord Jesus Christ is our mediator. He is the one who is the go-between. He is both Fully human, fully God. He, is, he, is, he meets the qualifications. He is the one who comes. And as mediator, He steps in the gap. He dies for our sins. And because of that, He is the one who is 
accomplishing this mission. He is protected by the Lord. He makes it this He is the covenant agreement God makes with sinners. What did the Lord say? I've given it to you here, uh, John 8. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And read carefully now 2 Corinthians 4.4. This is where Paul's talking about why people won't be saved. Why won't some people not be saved? Well, here's the answer. The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelieving people. The devil blinds people's minds. So that they may not see, please look at the language carefully, the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. The light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. What did the Lord say? God spoke from heaven two times when Jesus was on the earth. He was baptized And the thunderous voice of God said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am pleased. And the second time those few heard it on the mountain, the hill, when the Lord was transfigured, This is my beloved Son. What? Listen to Him. Listen to Him. So this is the mystery. What do we do? We spend more time looking and thinking about the Lord Jesus, honoring Him and, by the way, following His example and living like He lived. If the Lord said, if the Lord said, I always do the things that are pleasing to Him, that's what Christians should say, I will always do what pleases Jesus. I'm not going to talk in such ways that don't please Jesus. I'm not going to have attitudes, values. I'm, I'm I'm, I'm getting rid of it. I'm trashing them all. I'm going to do what matters in following Jesus, no matter what it costs. Third, God declares to His servant, the Lord Jesus, the accomplishments of His mission. So what will He do? As the light of the nations. As the light of the nations. Here He is. Well, He'll open blind eyes. We've seen it over and over in the Gospels, right? But notice Paul was describing blinded minds. And that's what happens with people who are not saved. People who do not know Jesus Christ have blinded minds. But the Holy Spirit of God can open their minds. Well, look, you became a Christian. At some point in your life, your mind was opened. You were open to the reality of who Jesus declares Himself to be. And you submitted to it and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And praise the Lord, you were saved. Friends, isn't it wonderful to not have a blinded mind? Isn't it wonderful to be able to gain, as I just read from Colossians, understanding and to have assurance and knowledge and peace? All of these things come through our emotions but start in our mind and what we know. This is so glorious for us. The Lord Jesus is... As the light of God in the world, He opens blinded eyes. As the light of of God in the world, He brings prisoners out of darkened dungeons. There's nothing sadder than to live in the world. Look, our family, our neighbors, and strangers, wherever you go in this world, look at some where they sit in the darkness. They don't know anything else but to sit in darkness. 
They don't even know. They don't know any better. They don't know what to do. They don't know any direction. They have no. They're sitting in dark prisons of prisons of darkness, and they are in bondage to their own fleshly driven passions, emotions, and they are in bondage to the God of this world, bowing down, doing homage and worship to Satan and all of his traps and tricks of the modern world. It's a sad day. But when the Lord Jesus, when you talk to someone about the Lord Jesus, it's like I've always talked to you about, you know, I, I witnessed to a guy one day, and you know, all he was worried about was dinosaurs. I said, look, bro, I don't care about dinosaurs. I'm trying to talk to you about Jesus. And here's the deal with Jesus. Uh, he was a historic person. I mean, the pagans acknowledged that Jesus of Nazareth was a real person. So here's my thing to you, friend. Was he a liar? Was he crazy? Or was he who he said he was? I'm not going to be able to help you with dinosaurs. But I can tell you this. If you will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and repent of your sins, your life will be made all over again. This is what we must do, friends. You must do this. It isn't just preachers who are supposed to do this. This is what we do. You see, the light of the nations is the Lord Jesus Christ. And He shines brightly. While John was imprisoned, he heard of the works of Christ. He sent word by His disciples and said to Him. You know how sad this is. This is the cousin of the Lord Jesus. This is John the Baptist who preached and pointed to the Lord Jesus as the Lamb of God. But it got hard for him when he was in prison, didn't it? He wasn't a perfect man. Are you the expected one? It's hard to believe John the Baptist would have been in such dejection, but we don't know the conditions he was in. Are you the expected one, or shall we look for someone else? And notice what the Lord Jesus, how the Lord Jesus answered. He said to him, Go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. And the dead are raised up. By the way, there were no rabbis raising people from the dead in Jesus' day. Casting demons out permanently. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. You see, it's time for God's people to quit hiding in the shadows afraid to talk about Jesus. God tells His servant, the Lord Jesus, that He will glorify God. This is the strange beauty of God in all of His glory. I am, notice now again the second time, verse 6, I am Yahweh. Now, second time, I am Yahweh, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. You see, the eternal God Yahweh is His name. The I am that I am. What did, what did the Lord Jesus say to those Jews finally, that led them to want to kill Him on the spot before, before Abraham was. Remember? I am. He declared Himself to be God. The eternal God, Yahweh, does not share His glory with any other, and the Lord Jesus and God the Father share this. How can we talk about what we don't understand? When we talk about the glory of God through the Word of God, it's described in different ways by power. 
For instance, when the tabernacle, some of you, some of you have been doing this with me for a long time. And some of you men look as old as I do. The women look great, beautiful. No, they haven't aged at all. But you know, when we were studying Exodus, you remember when they dedicated the tabernacle, the glory of God was so powerful it ran everybody out of there. When David, when they prayed for the, when Solomon prayed and the temple was dedicated, the glory of God ran them all out of there. Isaiah chapter 6. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. His glory fills the temple. The glory of God. Here's my point. How do I come to understand the glory of God? The glory of God is seen in the Lord Jesus Christ, but the glory of God is seen, listen, in the power of God to change people's lives. You are an example of the glory of God because you've been saved. Your life is different. The glory of God abides in you because you've been saved. So we read, John, this is the prayer of the Lord Jesus, John 17, 24. This is going to be for you if you're a Christian here today. When you get to heaven, you get to see this. I get to see this. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me for you loved me before the foundation of the world. We start thinking, how do I reconcile that? It is the mystery of God the Son speaking to God the Father. One God, not two gods. John said in John 1.14, The Word became flesh. Jesus Christ became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And I, what did the Lord say? 17.4, I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work which you gave me to do. Now, Father, look, glorify me together with yourself with, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. When you bow and draw near to God in prayer, you're speaking to the glorious one, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is for all of us such beauty. Then God speaks to Israel again. God predicts the coming of His servant, the Lord Jesus, as the one who makes all things new. Notice the language here. Behold, the former things have come to pass. Now look, this is for you tonight. This is for some of you. It's a new year. Now may I say this to you? The former things have come to pass. It's over. You can't go back. You can't change anything in your life that was done before. You can't undo those days of godlessness and wickedness and whatever it turned into. You can't go back and resolve issues related to relationships that once were that are gone. It's over. It's past. He says, Behold, the former things have come to pass. What's happened has happened. It's done. It's history. But then he says, Now I declare new things. I declare new things. Everything about knowing Jesus Christ is about new things. Now look, you know, you got new shoes. You got a new shirt. 
You got new socks. I mean, what's Christmas for everybody in here got underwear and socks. After my kids both gave me some and Pat, I thought, are you trying to tell me something? <laughs> new things. We've just been through the time of giving new things to other people. But new things get old. But new things in Jesus stay new. They never get old. You renew yourself in Jesus. Are you listening to me tonight? I'm trying to help you right now. I'm telling you. You renew yourself. It's hard to renew old underwear. Some of you will get that when you go home tonight. But when you are new in Christ, you renew. You renew every day. Great is the Lord's faithfulness. It is new every morning. Everything's new about Jesus. I proclaim to you new things from this time, even hidden things which you have not known. Isaiah 48, 6. This is for you tonight. The past is over. All things are new in Christ. That's what some of you need to hear tonight. Ephesians 1, 9-10. He made... He made uh, us to know the mystery of His will according to His kind intention which He purposed in Him, that is, in the Lord Jesus, with a view of the administration suitable to the fullness of the times. That is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth in Him. Everything is summed up in Him. All the newness comes in Him. And if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. And the old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. You know, when that old demon-possessed man, it's probably my most favorite story, when that old demon-possessed seven, I mean, legions of demons in that man living in that cave, screaming and yelling with broken chains which cannot be, he couldn't be held by them. When the Lord Jesus comes, what does He do? The devils start cringing and begging When Jesus got out of the boat, He didn't even say anything. That's what the devil does in the presence of Jesus. He cringes. I'm talking about reality now. In this day in which we live, when the devil seems so great and in control, that man was changed and he never wanted a chain again. He was naked and then he had new clothes. And those people came out there and saw him and they were in shock. But that's what happens to all of us when we get saved. We're new people with the same name. New people with the same name. And what does the Lord say as He comes to the end of the revelation? I am making all things new. By the way, did you all know, newsflash, there's going to be a new heaven and earth? New is the key word. Better go home and think about it. To the praise of the glory of His grace. I can't say anymore. What can I say? What can I say any more than that? Now your hymn for the night. Remember, we don't sing these. That would be scary. And probably most of us have never sung a hymn by Horatius Bonar. But I recommend him to you. And I recommend you to read his books. They're glorious. 
I heard the voice of Jesus say, Come unto me and rest. Lay down, thou weary one, lay down, thy head upon my breast. I came to Jesus as I was weary and worn and sad. I found in Him a resting place, and He has made me glad. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Behold, I freely give the living water, thirsty one. Stoop down, drink, and live. I came to Jesus and I drank of that life-giving stream. My thirst was quenched. My soul revived. And now I live in Him. I heard the voice of Jesus say, I am this dark world's light. Look unto me, thy morn shall rise, and all thy day be bright. I looked to Jesus and I found in Him my star, my sun, and in that light of life I'll walk till traveling days are done. Amen? Amen. Now we're going to pray. We're going to pray the new way. All right? Don't be afraid. Like I had to tell one fellow, it's okay if you have your eyes open reading some words while you pray. It's okay. It's okay. You, can, you don't have to close your eyes. But now, I'll just do it for you so that you see it. And maybe you try it tonight when you go home and pray. By the way, I don't pray all 55 pages. I mean, you, you just say these things to the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for sending the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, You are full of grace. Lord Jesus, You are a scepter of righteousness. Lord Jesus, You are Abraham rejoiced to see Your day. You are all things given to us, but you give, but all things are given into your hand and you put them under your feet. And Lord Jesus, before the beginning of your ways, you are wisdom brought forth. And Lord Jesus, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, before you appointed the foundations of the earth, you are my Savior who came forth to be condemned. Page 2, before you had formed the earth, O Lord, before you made a decree for the rain and a way for lightning of the thunder, before you prepared the heavens, before your works of old, behold, you are alive forevermore. And I praise you and I thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.